0: Welcome to Applied Excellence, the podcast from the Association of Manufacturing Excellence, where we care. Why do we care?
1: You know, if you care about people and people know that you truly care about them, they're going to do their best to do their job, no matter what aspect of that job you're looking at.
0: That was Bob Forrester. He's the Health, Safety, and Environmental Director at Neptune Technologies. He arrived there 30 years ago as an experienced safety professional, and he's had the opportunity to see extensive change take place in the industry. Before we dive deep with Bob Forrester, however, I'd like to introduce you to Robert Hafey. He's a lean operational consultant, best known for his work on safety. He literally wrote the book, Lean Safety. He's a true lean practitioner, however, who spent eight years at FlexCo, First, as director of lean operations, and then as director of manufacturing before he became a consultant.
2: The supervisors, one of them said, You've given me a new way to talk to my people. It's how you address people, how you interact with people. That's how you change not only the safety culture, but the culture. So it doesn't matter if you're on the lean journey or if you're trying to redirect your safety culture, the actions are pretty much the same.
0: If that sounds similar, it's because Robert Hafe and Bob Forrester have collaborated on Neptune Technologies' safety program. I started the conversation, however, by asking him about his very first job in manufacturing. So, Robert Hafe you've been at some of the more hardcore industrial manufacturing uh, environments that uh, the world has. You were at U.S. Steel, and I thought I would take you all the way back to... Um, Uh, earlier on in your career to ask you about how that experience of being in and that kind of environment a steel production facility shaped your understanding of relationships with frontline workers. What did that teach you or show you?
2: Well, I started out, you know, as a young lad uh, working at U.S. Steel, and I worked production in a big, dangerous place. That was an education in and of itself. Four or five years later, I had the opportunity to get into supervision. That began my journey of relationships at work where you've got supervisors, managers in charge, and the people who do the work. I was supervising trade and craft people, maintenance people, and they were very skilled at what they did. They knew way more than I, I did as a young guy about electrical and mechanical repairs. I really had to rely on them and their knowledge. And so I figured out pretty quickly that my role was to take care of them, provide them with what they needed, uh, challenge and grow them. So I think it was a really good start.
0: Well, embedded in that is the idea of respect—is that you you had to respect them, or they were going to they were probably going to make mincemeat out of you really if you didn't. Yeah,
2: yeah, it, that is that is very much the truth. I I do recall there was one uh, Millwright, a mechanic, who you know, it was probably 30 years my senior. And when I asked him to do something, I said she had a door slam in my face. Uh, and so, you know, this issue of earning respect is what I figured out pretty quickly, too, is how do I earn trust and respect? Or they would make hence out of me.
0: So let's jump forward a little in time to you. You're now a consultant you literally go around the world offering people some insight into how to introduce a a new focus on safety how does that how does that shape the questions you ask where do you start when you're on the floor and you're meeting someone for the first time and you want to say let's talk about safety
2: they usually ask me if i want to see their facility and so i essentially say absolutely let's go to the gemba let's go to where the work gets done and I can pretty quickly assess the culture of a business just by going out, observing the people doing the work. Because I'm a pretty gregarious guy, I want to talk to everybody, and so I'm looking to make eye contact and and engage some people in conversations. And if people are got their nose to the grindstone and they won't even look up, that pretty quickly tells me about the culture. You know, it's kind of top-down directive. People are told what to do. They're afraid to speak their mind, or they're not given approval to speak their mind. That's how I learn about the business culture and how the managers are leading or not leading.
0: Let's go back to a case where by focusing on the process, you can make it safer and easier.
2: I'll give you one example. Uh, we were at a plant someplace in Iowa, and they were taking uh, this tubing and coiling it up into a coil by hand, putting it into a, a corrugated box. Think of a pizza box. And and then they would have to fold up the sides of the box, bring the lid down. They had to really, like, push on this top of the box. And, and whenever you're working on a flat surface, you, you necessarily move your back forward, so now your back is on a neutral. And if you have to lean forward and push on something for a shift, your back will hurt long before the shift is ended. I, I had taken a group of people that were in the workshop out on the, their first Lean Safety Gant block. I engaged a few people to demonstrate how I engage people and what I look for. And then they were out doing it and I was bouncing between teams to to make sure they got it and asking questions. And and one person said, you know that, you know, Joe over there that's doing that 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 hose and he's winding it up. I tried to approach him and he didn't want to talk to me. What do you do in a case when someone doesn't want to engage with you? And so we went over and observed Joe. I asked Joe his name, I introduced myself, told him what we were there to do mind if I watch you work for a bit? He said, I don't care. So I watched him work. And immediately I saw him getting his back out of neutral and pushing down. And I said, you know, I noticed you're really leaning forward, bending your back. And does your back ever hurt you? And he says, yeah, my back hurts every day. Well, you know, that template that we're using to push the box into uh, is laying flat on the bench. and, And let me get something. So I looked around and quickly found a a piece of wood, and I took it and I put it underneath the back of the template. And I says, okay, now try pushing the box because as soon as you raise the template at an angle, his back moves up into a more neutral position. So his immediate feedback was, boy, that's a lot better. And I said, that's great. We just identified an opportunity for improvement. So it's as simple as that. It's just going out and watching people work, watching for those triggers I talked about earlier, And then engaging them in the dialogue and together coming to an agreement on what the opportunity is. And then again, like in all Kaizen events, you test the opportunity. And I was able to test that one pretty quickly just by raising the fixture.
0: Safer and easier.
2: Safer and easier. So, you know, his back isn't going to hurt. He's going to produce more. just because his back isn't sore.
0: How would they then transfer that to, say, their five key shop floor managers?
2: For managers understand that things can be different they need to see it, they need to experience it and so the training I do is taking people out and asking them to do what I do so that they experience it and they, they, they see and feel the difference
0: real world experience, real interaction.
2: Exactly, yep yep, classroom learning is okay but the real learning occurs when you have to go do it and apply it with it
0: I I'm just wondering whether in a in a an environment where lean was not fully entrenched it's still being pushed a little bit is that a requirement that people are familiar with that you're going to have some kind of a safety event is that an opportunity to reintroduce lean for people?
2: It is. Yeah, it is. Um uh, Kaizen blitz is a one of the lean tools in a lean thinker's tool pouch. So it's a multi-day event, and you take a cross-functional team, and you give them an objective to reduce the cycle time of a changeover or an assembly process. So a stopwatch is often used, or that's always used, and it's threatening to the people who do the work. In a safety Kaizen blitz, um, there is no stopwatch. Uh, Our objective is not cycle time. It's to reduce the risk of soft tissue injuries, and their goal is to look for some triggers, Things like body parts out of neutral, where someone is bending over, or twisting their torso, or making goofy wrist movements. But any of those things are triggers to say, well, how can we make that safer and easier for the person doing the work? In a safety kaizen blitz, we'll end up with 50 to 60 potential improvements after observing the current state work process. Then we go about implementing them and we make work safer and easier. And so the operators in the area, they're all in because we actually focused on them and their safety rather than cycle time. And yet, by making their work safer and easier, we will we will get just as many cycle time improvements as a traditional Kaizen blitz team with a stopwatch.
0: Marvelous. I'd like to set a gold bar standard if we could. What are some of the most thorough and impressive transformations you've seen take place within a facility.
2: Okay, there is a company uh, down in Tallahassee, Alabama, called Neptune Technologies, and they really, really are living lean safety. And they were on the lean journey; were doing great things. Um, But they knew their safety was still in the old compliance mindset, and so they wanted to change that. So I've been down there a few times and trained people, and they brought me back and brought me back because they want to continue to drive ownership of safety to the employees who do the work. I'm really excited about that site because the leadership there gets it, And they are really, really changing their whole culture. Not just the safety culture, but their whole culture.
0: You can see why we wanted to talk to Bob Forrester, who you heard from earlier, after such a glowing recommendation. Here he is again, giving us a proper introduction to Neptune Technologies.
1: When we make uh, water meters and uh, reading systems for those meters, we've... uh, We've been doing that since, uh, 1892, uh, and, uh, the business has changed a lot, but we're here in Tallahassee, Alabama. We've got about 500 people and, and we make hopefully the water meter that's in everyone's front yard.
0: Through the, the company, what has that been like? What have you observed over time?
1: Oh, it's, it's changed so much. It's just hard to, to get your arms around all the changes that have happened, um, you know, probably management style has been one of the big uh, influencers uh, in the work that I do. You know, years and years ago, um, it was very common to see a, a style of intimidation with management. Uh, and it still exists. I know it does. But uh, I think uh, overall, that it's changed a lot. And, uh, you know, the people-centric uh, leadership approach is the other extreme to that. And that's what we're in the midst of now. And uh, that's probably been the biggest uh, change that I've seen in the industry is just the fact of how uh, people are treated and respected and how important that is and critical it is to, uh, to satisfying you know, your customers' needs.
0: What have you been able to observe about the relationship between safety and uh, operational excellence in, in, in general? Is there, how does that relationship work for, um, in your view?
1: It's, it's been quite amazing uh, to me because every other aspect of the lean manufacturing process has somewhere in it, embedded in it, health and safety. And because we began with that focus we began with a focus on nothing but health and safety and because that was the first thing we focused on in our lean system and our management system it very naturally became a component of all those other uh factors of our of our management system uh so i think had we had we not done that first it would have been much more difficult but but the underlying uh, foundational um, approach to health and safety is, I think, is what's made it a success because it was it's just been ingrained into the culture over the years that that's the first thing we think about, uh, and it's 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 inter- so interesting to me because so many times when we'll have uh, group meetings, small meetings, large meetings, we always ask the question, what's the most important thing at Neptune? And everyone will answer and will say, whenever you ask them, it's it's safety and wellness.
0: There was a, there was a catalyst, and 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 let's let's move to when you started to introduce people um, centric leadership. How did that happen?
1: Prior to our VP of operations now taking that role, and you have to understand our VP of operations here was a was a, a keystone uh, individual with our process, and so. When that uh, when our current VP took over, that's essentially what he did. He he made the statement that safety is going to be the most important thing that we do. It's going to be the foundation, the cornerstone of every decision we make and every action we take. And of course, in the beginning, a lot of folks looked at that and said, "Well, that's the flavor of the month." But just like Paul O'Neill did with Alcoa, uh, we did the same thing. We've stuck with that approach for. I uh, have what's going on probably seven years now. We have aligned ourselves with some key people. Probably the most notable source of that has been Ame, and being very closely aligned with Ame, what Ame does and stands for has has kept that um, focus alive and helped us keep it growing. And it's, and, and you have to have that. Uh, Focus at the top, uh, and people see that it's real. Uh, they'll perform and they'll follow that path, and that's I think what's happened here.
0: Jumping forward, I want to ask you about the safety cards because apparently you have uh, a system for safety suggestions and and a process. I mean, I'd like to if you could tell me a little bit more about that. It,
1: it, it's a it's a hard visual card that we post that the workers and uh, and whomever fill out, uh, and it's followed up on. Uh, They fill out these cards. They post them on our communication board that so many people have, and and we have them in every department, and they talk about them every day. Uh, They follow whether or not they are corrected. Uh, We log them. We track them. uh, We have goals associated with them. Uh, just trying to encourage people to be a part of the solution and be a part of that foundation. So it too took quite a while to, to uh, catch on because so many folks looked at it as well, this, this too shall pass. Uh, but it hasn't. And people began to realize, you know, they're really, uh, we're all really focusing on this and listening to this. And some things are actually happening and improving that make my job easier.
0: How have you also been able to measure operational excellence gains? Uh,
1: we, we track all those top KPIs associated with quality and, and production and, and yield and all those traditional and, and new, perhaps lean measurements. Um, we do all that. And, and I think that probably all of those other measurements have been impacted by the fact that we focused on the, the value of relationships, Uh, that we we value our relationship with one another, and that has made an impact on all those other KPIs as well because, you know, if you care about people and people know that you truly care about them, they're going to do their best to do their job no matter what aspect of that job you're looking at.
0: What did you do when you encounter um, a group or an individual who uh, got their back up maybe a little bit, too resistant to change doesn't see the point. How have how have you been able to get reach those people?
1: Well, um, it's it's been like the old uh, analogy of eating an elephant. You just kind of do it a bite at a time. And we certainly we certainly had that. I mean, we certainly had folks that were resistant uh, that didn't want to participate uh, or that they did hold did not do it wholeheartedly. Of course, that's natural and. We, we struggled with that, but the, the approach that we took was we're going to continue to do the things that we think are, are positive and that improve our, our safety regardless. And over time, we've seen these individuals accept the fact that that's a part of our culture and the way of life. And gradually over time, people uh began to participate they've seen their peers participate they've seen people um, uh, enjoy their jobs more and they've seen people feel better about their work not hurt as much and it's it's just gradually over time got to the point where everybody bought in because it, it and it took a long time it took years for that to happen in some cases
0: if you imagine um, yourself, uh, perhaps a younger version of yourself, maybe somebody, one of those foundries or somebody in a completely unrelated business who's just kind of embarking on this uh, journey, what, what would you say to them about what's important as they focus on safety and, and the people?
1: Well, you know, back when I first started in this business, there were, I don't even recall any kind of regular training program uh, in health and safety you know, back uh, 30 years ago so many of us were just just suddenly became a health and safety manager despite having you know engineering programs and industrial engineering and systems engineering there really wasn't a lot of direct focus on safety and now you've got so many folks uh, coming out of uh, the universities that in engineering that have had uh, a lot more health and safety training than I did when I started out and there's a lot of more a lot more um, um, Opportunities to to learn and to gather information than there was 30 years ago. You know, the internet's made a huge difference in everything that we do. Even just the even just the cell phone. The fact that you can go out and take pictures now, where before you had to uh, do it with a roll of film and send it off to be processed and wait wait two weeks before you got it. Um, so I, I really think that you know we're equipping. Uh, young people, young engineers, so much better now than we did in the past uh, to accept these these um, the challenges that we've talked about. Um, and there's just so many things available. But I would probably encourage anybody that's beginning um, to uh, to embark in this type of career to take advantage of all those things and involvement with Ame, involvement with. Uh, the various safety organizations that are around, because understanding what your peers are are facing makes a big difference.
0: We certainly hope you've enjoyed these insights from Bob Forrester and Robert Haifey. Collaboration, sharing, learning, cornerstones of what the Association for Manufacturing Excellence is all about. This has been another episode of Applied Excellence, the podcast from the Association of Manufacturing Excellence.